Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-vibing friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always have a great guest to introduce today. Today we're going to be talking to Jennifer Awanda. Did I butcher that? Awenda. Awenda. I, I yeah. was like, it's so close. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Awenda. And she is an author of 20 plus books for people of all ages, an illustrator, a senior living executive, dementia practitioner, emergency medical technician, end of life death doula, volunteer for the Banner Alzheimer's Institute and the Alzheimer's Association, a public speaker, a guest speaker on podcasts, radio and television, online video content creator, and founder of Timeless Doula (laughs) Services, LLC. She is here to serve others and spark conversations around taboo topics. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. So I would love to start by kind of having you share just how you got to doing what you're doing today. (laughs) he's here (laughs) no you're good um yeah so I don't know if you heard me but just share kind of how you got into what you're doing today yeah so um after having multiple grandparents diagnosed with various diseases that cause dementia Mm -hmm. um I kind of that that's pretty much what pulled me into senior living Mm -hmm. um from there of course I worked with so many people that had various diseases, some of them with dementia, some of them without. Um, But yeah, so been in this industry for going on 20 years. And um, from there, I started, well, I had been writing for many years prior, Mm. but um, decided to start writing books about dementia and senior care, so people can understand their options. Mm. And in addition to sitting with those who are transitioning, you know, going from the living to the dying process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just I, I do a lot of things in the industry. Um, and that was one of the reasons for creating Timeless Doula Services. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been also volunteering for a hospice company. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of what got me into this. Thing. I love it. I think it's so amazing to have an expert on the show talk about this because I think this is a, the end of life transition is a really challenging and kind of unknown area for a lot of us. And I think um, I have a a couple of clients specifically that I am working with in counseling. And one of them um, has been struggling with this idea of like, where do I even start? How do I have these resources? How do I start to understand these diseases? So I think first I want to go to the initial piece and just talk about what is really the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Cause I feel like they get put together a lot, but we really don't know the distinction. All right. So Alzheimer's is a disease. Um, just like Parkinson's is a disease, um, congestive heart failure, a disease, all these different diseases can lead to dementia. Mm. Dementia is the symptoms itself, the symptoms of cognitive decline. So Alzheimer's is just one of a hundred or more things that can cause dementia. Um, You know, so alcohol and drug abuse Mm -hmm. that can cause chemical induced dementia, a severe, you know, head trauma, brain injury, um, your, um, that's your injury, dementia, um, 
traumatic brain injuries, that kind of stuff, um, Huntington's disease and a severe stroke. And, you know, all these different things can cause dementia. Mm -hmm. So dementia is an umbrella term for the symptoms. So if somebody said they have cancer, you're like, well, what kind of cancer? Mm -hmm. Right. There's so many different kinds of cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. So if someone says dementia, first thing I'm thinking, what disease or condition caused dementia? Because if it's Alzheimer's, then I know that there's some probably some memory loss, some problems with controlling emotions and behaviors. If it's Parkinson's, then I know there's probably the inability to control your, you know, motor functions, um, you know, things like that, right? All the different, if, if it's vascular dementia, they may have had a severe stroke, um, you know, and so... That is really my question when someone says they have a dementia diagnosis and I'm like, okay, what caused the dementia and is it mixed dementias? Because sometimes I'll have a resident that has Alzheimer's and Parkinson's mm. or has a stroke and um, Alzheimer's or, you know, whatever, right? There's all these different things that can cause dementia. So yeah, that's the difference. Alzheimer's is just one of a hundred or more things that causes dementia, which is the symptoms of cognitive decline. Mm. I appreciate you kind of breaking that up because I think that like even me, I'm like, I am not an expert in this field by any means. And I would never have even thought about different parts of like, like you said, what caused the dementia. And I think that that's really important because as you mentioned, there's different places where they would need specific treatment and care, which is why this conversation is kind of important to be had. Um, with- and that's why I write so many books about dementia yeah. and the different things that cause dementia. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I would love to know too, uh, for our <laughs> listeners, what are some of the books or kind of where they could even start to begin, like knowing how to navigate this, if they have a family member or a loved one or friend that is that is struggling with some form of dementia. So there are lots of resources out there. Of course, I write my books to educate people. Um, the most recent book that I published, it's called Cold Hearts, Warm Bodies, The Secrets Inside Assisted Living. That's on Amazon. But that is breaking down senior living, memory care, what it's like to work and live inside of facilities. Mm. And um, I've incorporated stories from other people in that we talk about the aging and the the hospice piece and you know, how to fund senior living because it's Mm. very expensive. Um, And then of course, I've written quite a few uh, books about especially for children, I love to write books for children about dementia, Mm. because they're the ones that are going to find some cures. Mm. Right. They're the ones Mm -hmm. it's going to be their generation and the AI or whatever Mm -hmm. that is going to really um, I have to get them interested. That's how I feel. The youth need to be interested in these topics. Mm. So on my website, um, you can find quite a few of my own books about dementia. I will always, always um, send a shout out to Teepa Snow, T-E-E-P-A Snow, like the snow that falls. Tifa Snow, she has positive approach, which is her trainings on that dementia piece. Um, of course, there's the Alzheimer's Association and, you know, all these different, um, a lot of stuff on YouTube, a lot of, a lot of things that are finally starting to be written and published mm-hmm. about dementia itself. 
Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I think it's a good place to start. Um, especially like, I love that you're kind of going towards the children because I, I think you're right, right. They are our future. They're going to be what's creating our future. And the other piece of this, I think that we don't necessarily touch on is that a lot of times when we have like grandparents, right. That's kind of the idea that it goes to of like end of life decisions for like kids. It's their grandparents that they're seeing it. And it's a hard thing for a child to understand, like, why does grandpa not know who I am? Why are these different things? And so I like that you're also providing that as a resource for yes, getting them interested for the cure, but also a way to, you know, have a resource for parents to say like, Hey, this is kind of what's happening with grandpa so that the kid can start to understand, you know, that it's not personal. And that grandpa is just not yes. forgetting them, which it could be really detrimental and hurtful to a child. And then also, you know, some of my books, I'm trying to bridge that gap. Mm. It's it's a shame that I'll have families say, oh, no, we can't bring the grandparents. We can't let them. I mean, the grandchildren, we can't let mm. them see their grandpa or their grandma like this. Mm. Or we can't bring them around when they're dying. So it's it's a real disservice to elders that their own family members are not allowed to see them in these last parts of life when a hundred years ago people were being born and living and dying in their home and people you know children grew up understanding that natural aging process Mm -hmm. there were intergenerational connections but now everyone is removed. You're born in an institution, you die in an institution and mm. people move away, you know, when they turn 20 or 30 or whatever, and they start their lives. And then it's just grim on the phone and at Christmas time, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's, it's so important that the elders, whether they have dementia or not, that they have children and the youth around them. I was talking to a lady at the grocery store the other day and she was, she was like, why are you buying all this stuff? And I was like, it's mother's day. I got to make sure that, you know, the residents are having a great time and, and at least feel like it's mother's day. Right. And she said, Oh, I couldn't even see my grandmother. She had Alzheimer's. My parents wouldn't let me see her. Mm. And I was like, that's really horrible. Mm. Your grandmother needed you. You know what I mean? I couldn't tell her that. Right. 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 The parents were the problem, Mm. not grandma. She's suffering from a disease that she cannot control. Not that child who can make grandma feel a little better, even if it's for only a moment, right? Mm -hmm. That moment of joy. It was the parents that were terrified because they didn't receive the education that's needed. Mm -hmm. And dementia is expected to increase by 200% in our lifetime, which means... If you don't know someone in your immediate family that has it, it could be you or someone in your immediate family in the next few years. And how will you feel if your children, your grandchildren are removed from you because you have dementia? So I my my goal is to educate people on aging, dementia, the dying process, understanding their options and bringing people together because we're so disconnected now mm-hmm. and social media is not helping with that. Mm-mm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually, um, of course, you know, social media is so fantastic. So I love that I'm admitting this, but I was just scrolling before we jumped, hopped on the podcast because, you know, it does give you those endorphins. I numbed out, had a long day and, um, 
a fantastic day, I'll say, but it was long and I just needed a moment. But I just saw that um, Montana just banned TikTok. So I think we're finally starting to see like, I mean, we've seen other countries doing this, but just the idea of like, I just want to say like, you know, with that social media, you're right. It's not the connection that we're thinking it is. And, and I love that you hit on this idea of connection because this was something that was really interesting to me growing up as far as like my relationship with my grandparents versus like talking to my husband and my husband's interaction with his grandparents. And the difference was my grandpa, specifically my dad's dad, he passed away a couple of years ago, I think two years ago. Um, but he lived in upstate New York. I live in Colorado. And I talked to him at least once a week on the phone. He was like, he knew what was going on in my life. We had a very interactive, like we were yeah. not physically, I went and visited him. We we actually flew. I brought my husband when we were dating. We went to New Jersey and we stayed there. Um, and we drove, it was four hours to see my grandpa. We drove up four hours to see him, had lunch with him and drove four hours back. And people were like, that's crazy. That's so sweet. Just to see your grandpa. And I was like, it's not necessarily the interaction I had. It's how much he taught me. Like he was, I think that like you're saying, it's such a disservice to the grandparent, but it's also such a disservice to the child because like the older generations have so much beautiful knowledge and the things that my grandpa could share, he was 94 when he passed away. So he had seen so much. He was a doctor, like he had a doctorate. So, and then my husband, he barely spoke to his grandparents as much as me. Like it was, he called it like more of the traditional of like, you know, you see grandparents, like you said, on like holidays or you talk on yeah. birthdays. And that was really interesting to me. And I think um, it just kind of highlights what you were saying of like, it is a disservice not to have that connection. It's very sad. <laughs> it's really sad. And yeah. it's, um, and I, since I see it all the time, you know, I manage a dementia care facility mm -hmm. and um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. So, yeah. 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 I, when I was, I think too, like so much of the institution piece is misunderstood. So I would love to hear kind of a little bit about your book, because when I hear the title, I'm, I'm nervous. Is this going to be like, because a lot of the fear, right. About institutions. Yes. One, when we talk about it, people are terrified because of the horror stories you hear. And two, they're terrified because of the cost and how are we even going to do this? But what other option do we have? So what would you say to somebody that has those concerns? Be concerned. Okay. And I, um, I'm i the whistleblower. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put it like that. All mm -hmm. the people that I interviewed for my book, um, most of them did not want to be um, interviewed at all. And mm -hmm. so it narrowed down to about a dozen people that said, fine, you can put my story. Just don't say my name. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I put a bunch of different people's stories in the book. Um, and of course, it's my story working in senior care, but I've incorporated their stories in as well. So mm -hmm. it's not just me. I actually was just meeting with um, a journalist from the Arizona Republic today who has been working with a team to expose the problems in senior living. Mm. And it's unfortunate that it's not just here and there. It's all over. The cover of the book itself is very disturbing. Mm -hmm. it, um, it's what we see all the time. A resident on the floor with, you know, covered in excrement that is dry, not like it was um, fresh, you know, she just fell out of bed, but like she was left there mm -hmm. overnight. Caregivers were sleeping on the job. Um, it's happening more often than people understand. 
And I know that a lot of people in the industry, I, I completely understand why they want to remain anonymous. And I also understand why the, you know, people who work in corporate offices, um, the, the big money makers mm-hmm. would rather it just to be status quo. So yeah, be, be, be concerned. I even mentioned um, Robin Williams in the um, last chapter, in the conclusion, because the dementia piece, the type that he was diagnosed with would have totally changed his personality as dementia tends to, but also comes with negative behaviors. And for someone to have been this jovial, positive, making jokes and having a great mm-hmm. time all his life to become a potentially mean person, you know, it, it really makes me and some others who work in this industry, like what would happen? What do I want? If I, what do I want for my own life? If I was diagnosed with something like this, it's unfortunate that most people nowadays are like, Oh, it's not going to happen to me. You know, um, I love my cheese. I love my beer. I'm going to have my cocktail, eat another pizza, but it'll never happen to me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, all the cholesterol and all the processed foods and all the garbage that we consume, it's likely going to happen to more people than, you know, we'd like to think. So especially since it's going to increase by 200%. And then you you see all this fentanyl out there and all this crystal meth and all these Mm. different drugs. I'm like, okay, there's your chemical induced right there. Football players with their concussions. Okay. There's your injury induced right there. You know, um, heart disease and strokes. And there's your vascular dementia right there. So a lot of people are in denial Mm -hmm. as if we will never die as if we will never be that person that's diagnosed with whatever. And it's a real shame, but if you cannot afford privately to pay, let's say five, 10, maybe in 20 years, 15 to $20,000 a month Mm. for care in an assisted living facility or a a nursing home, which is Mm -hmm. different from assisted living. Assisted living is not a nursing home. Let me just put it like that. Nursing home is your 24 hour nurses. I need nurses 24 hours, medical services. Assisted living is your, I need help with bathing, with toileting, non-medical services. And even to call um, an assisted living that can help people with dementia, to call it a memory care community, when a lot of people with Parkinson's dementia do not have memory loss mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. It's not really memory care. It's dementia care. Right. So it's very expensive. And if you have not been paying privately for a long term care insurance that will cover not just skilled nursing or a nursing home, but also assisted living or caregivers to come into your home. And you don't have, you know, five houses that you can sell where you've got a million dollars that can last you. Um, what is that? About 15 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, VA aid. There's another uh, if you are a veteran during if you were a veteran um, and were in the military active duty during the time of war um, and you start needing at least two of those a bathing toileting type services, then you may qualify for two thousand dollars a month. Um, so there are some things out there to help pay, uh, but you got to pay a premium or you have to be that veteran or um, have a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Your only other option, if you don't have it like that, would be to roll over onto Medicaid 
which is welfare. Mm-hmm. And Medicaid facilities are a hot mess. Yeah. Mess. And we're talking bugs, thugs, and drugs. Okay. Mm. Um, and it's bad enough that the private pay facilities, there's some beautiful facilities out there, um, brand new, sh- sparkling, shining, you know, a lot of those are still having problems as well. And I'm not saying every facility is bad, but definitely more bad than there are good facilities out there from what I have experienced working in Texas, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon. It's ju- there's just some problems in this industry mm-hmm. that need to be addressed. That's why I've been writing. Um, that's why I was talking to the journalist mm-hmm. this morning. That's why I am on a mission to, you know, I make those YouTube videos about dementia and about your options and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, be afraid. Be very, mm-hmm. very afraid. Because if you have to move into a facility, because then you're at the mercy of if a caregiver is going to care. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what do we do? What's the other option? Can I, well, hang on. Let me ask you. So you said, I go back to this idea of if I have dementia, what I would want for me at that time. So I'm going to be blunt and ask you if you had dementia, oh, what would no. you want? Mm-hmm. I'm not, do- I'm not going there. Okay. I'm not going there. Um, okay. I'm a positive person right now, Okay, but um, I would probably become mean and demanding, uh, okay. potentially have behaviors, okay. <laughs> negative behavior. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I would probably have to go to a state where, you know, there is an assistance with medical aid and dying mm. because okay. I, I will not put my family through it. I see what I see in the dementia care facilities is you know, we, we try and keep them busy and do activities and we've got an entertainer coming at two o'clock and, oh, look mm-hmm. what's for lunch. You have some pureed, pureed food because you can no longer chew. You can't even remember how to use a fork and what a fork is for, you mm-hmm. know, and your quality of life. I'm sorry. With that dementia piece, your quality of life is messy. It's just not good. You know, there there's people in there who's constantly crying and just over emotional. There's people in there who are hitting and lashing out and there's people in there who are just like gone. Mm -hmm. What is that quality of life? And here we're pushing another procedure and another pill to prolong life. And how is that benefiting this person? If anything, it's benefiting the family to keep them alive as long as possible. But it's that long goodbye Every day there's something else, you know, they don't recognize you any mom. Who what's my name, mom? Who am I? Who am I? And that's that's disrespect, that's degrading, you know. She cannot remember. You do not look like her daughter. Her daughter, she thinks her daughter's three years old. You mm-hmm. are a 60-year-old person, imposter, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really hard for families. It's it's and I'm re- it, it's really hard for those residents. Once they get to a point where they don't remember that they can't remember, it becomes easier for us as caregivers to care for them. But it's just harder and harder and harder on the families. Mm-hmm. And so it's distressing. But mm-hmm. no, I, I do not want to live with dementia. I've seen it for too long. And knowing that in our country, you know, half the food at the grocery store is processed and filled with these colors and different things that are banned in other countries. Mm-hmm. 
but we're just filling us up. We think salmon is so healthy. Well, that pink stuff that's making the salmon pink is banned in other countries. Mm. Christmas and candy and, you know, going out to eat all the time. All this stuff is contributing to our disease in the society. And and I'm going to call it out. You know, the, um, what are they called it? Body shaming. Mm. Um, you know, if someone is what is considered obese, we're supposed to, you know, be okay with that and accept it and all that stuff. Well, what I see is heart disease and I see disease that is going to cause this person real problems, you know? And so I'm like, how can I just accept it? I'm not going to tell someone that they need to gain weight or lose weight or eat like this or drink that. I'm not going to tell, you know what? To each his own. I Mm -hmm. like a hamburger sometimes too. I sure (laughs) do like cheese on it, right? But I know that is going to lead, that is leading to disease in my body, Mm. right? And so since I eat a lot of the garbage that our society, you know, endorses, you know, the FDA endorses Mm -hmm. all these pills that the FDA has approved. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, I feel like, you know, we're fighting our own selves. It's that cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to happen to me. Those smokers smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke and, but I'm not going to get, you know, cancer. Lung cancer. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that we are just accepting a diseased society. Mm. Yeah. It's so if we take a step back to the to the people that are kind of right at the beginning of the stage where things are starting to shift and you have family members that are trying to navigate like becoming power of attorney or like HELOC loans or like all these different pieces, where do you feel like they can start? Well, I can tell you power of attorney ain't going to do nothing for you. Okay. It's just a piece of paper. Your, your mom said, hey, you're going to be my power of attorney or whatever. If it's not in a trust, there's nothing for you there. You know, you can write that I want to leave this to my, you know, in my will. I can leave things. But guess what? It's got to go through probate. And that's going to cost mm-hmm. you a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? If it's not in a trust, it's not going to do anything for you. That house might sit there for a long time before it mm-hmm. becomes that child's, right? So, um that's what I would say. Yeah, do the power of attorney thing. But it doesn't become effective until that person is deemed incompetent to make their own decisions. And a lot of times that doesn't even happen. You know, it's okay. They have a um, diagnosis of dementia. It was their primary care physician that did it. Well, that's not going to hold up. You need a neurologist who is going to make that diagnosis to actually make it stick. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I definitely didn't know that. Definitely, if you are able to make your own decisions, yeah, if you are able to make your own decisions, yeah, do the power of attorney thing like that, but a trust, you know, everything should be in a trust and you should also have your living will um, if you want to be kept on life support. I mean, really, in all honesty, every one of us, doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 100 years old, every person on this planet is one injury or accident away um, or illness away from needing care, Mm. 24-hour care. Mm -hmm. So being in denial that it'll never happen to me when it happens to people all the time. I mean, how many car accidents happen just in the Phoenix area today? Mm -hmm. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, this general area. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we can say it's not going to happen to me all we want to. You know, I'm scared to fly out and get an airplane, but hey, we sure do get in the car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, I would say that you need to make a living will. You need to make sure everyone understands what your wishes are. Um, if you are um, interested in a being a do not resuscitate, you know, like, let me go. Just let me go. Or if you want to be full code, yep, crack my ribs, do CPR. And yes, your ribs will crack if they're doing it appropriately if right. you are not breathing right mm-hmm. so um yeah that's that's really the first step deciding what you want uh putting it all in that trust having your living will everybody knowing your wishes making sure a physician is signed off on those things mm-hmm. um and making sure that everyone understands what happens after you die do you want to donate things do you want to just be cremated do you want to be buried do you want to be a tree pod Right. So Mm -hmm. there's all these different options. Um, Some places won't allow you to spread your ashes. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to take my mom to the park in Sedona and and Mm -hmm. spread her ashes. No, no, you ain't. You're going to get in trouble for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, making sure everyone knows and it's in writing and you've worked with, you know, an elder law attorney. And um, I would say financial planner, work with a financial planner. But um, I, I do realize a lot of financial planners don't understand the aging process. And I'm learning this every day when mm-hmm. people come in and say, oh, no, my financial planner says mom's money needs to last at least five years before she can go on Medicaid welfare. And I'm like, your mom has advanced dementia. She's no longer able to have a conversation. So that's her left temporal lobe. She's barely even awake anymore. She's not going to be here for five years, Mm -hmm. you know, but I can't tell people that. Right. Right. But the financial planners don't know that aging process as well. Not all of them do at least. And so they talk people out of going into a community that might be good for them. Some facilities are going to be helpful for, you know, I mean, if your loved one is, is wandering around and getting lost in the middle of the night and you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. lunging out and well, you know, and you can't be there 24 seven and maybe your health is declining because you're giving all of yourself to your, let's say ill spouse. You're probably going to die before that ill spouse mm. because you're given everything. So making sure while you still can make decisions for yourself, putting it all in writing, Yeah, I think that's really, really important. It was, you know, something that when my son was born, um, you know, I'm younger and my husband's younger and we're building our family. And I had kind of my, um, I had some of my friends be like, I was like, hey, have you done a living will yet? Or have you thought about a trust? Or have you thought about these different things? And they were like, no, I haven't ever thought about that. And I was like, but you have kids now. Like, even if you don't have kids. But to me, I was like, I have a kid now. Like, I am responsible that, like, he shouldn't have to make those decisions for me because that should be plain, like you said, where it is figured out. And if it's not for somebody, then you can have these other challenges. But And what it sounds like to me, what you're saying is like, there's no kind of one-stop shop to understand all these different pieces. Like I heard you say financial planner. I heard you say elder care law. I heard you say, you know, a couple of different people as far as like learning about this. So there's no, it doesn't sound like there's really one place to go that can be guiding you in these decisions, which to be blunt is really frustrating because it's an unknown space for so many kids or loved ones to try to navigate. So that's why I write the books. 
Okay. Um, of course, I did Cold Hearts Warm Bodies. That one is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, about five years ago, I did Navigating Arizona's Senior Care Industry. But that's specific, mostly specific to Arizona. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it it can be nationwide, except for when it talks about who regulates um, skilled nursing facilities and assisted livings in the state of Arizona. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty generic. Um, right now, I am in the midst of um, writing another book, and it's about aging, dementia, and the dying process. So mm-hmm. it's going to be straight to the point, answers to questions that you didn't even know to ask. Mm. And so that one will be published uh, by spring of next year. And yeah, that's that's what I'm on a mission to do is mm-hmm. educate as many people as possible. So, you know, we're not beating our heads with the same questions that the last person beat his head with. Mm-hmm. Right. It's other things are are blanketed out there. Other information is why can't why can't this information be out there in mm-hmm. just general public? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think you answered that, like, even in your intro, you said the word of you're having conversations about a taboo topic. And unfortunately, this is a taboo topic. And like you just said, it absolutely should not, especially with the increase of 200% in our lifetime of dementia, that blows my mind to think about. And we need to know this, like, Mm -hmm. this is things where it's like, you know, I had this is where it's hard to be a provider in the space of not necessarily in this space, but um, working in mental health and addiction. I have clients come to me and they're like, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any resources? And I'm like, Ooh, actually, let me try to figure out some because I don't. And that is not an appropriate answer as a professional. It's okay to say, I don't let me find you some, but also you can't be saying that to everything. We need to know this. This is something that a lot of people, there's a ton of emotion and challenges around the dying process, the, the being born process, like all these different p- processes in life. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. And you know, it's, it's kind of funny how our country is so against allowing people to make that decision to let go and let God mm. the, you know, of course, everyone's so scared of hospice, mm-hmm. right. But hospice is actually really helpful. They, they take away the pain. Okay. They give you extra support. I have residents that graduate off of hospice all the time because Mm -hmm. they got all this extra support. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll see these articles that they're, you know, bashing Canada for medical aid and dying. Mm. And I don't know to the extent of, you know, I don't know if they're just blowing it out of proportion or if, you know, if there really is a problem that, you know, even 10 year olds can decide they want to die and they're just, you know, not medically needing, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, you know, at a point where they would need that. Okay. It's not like right. they're terminally ill. They're just a little depressed. Well, mm-hmm. look what we eat in this country. A whole lot of people are depressed. So not right. every 10 year old should probably change, you know, make those kind of decisions. The for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Canada for them to at least allow it for the state of Washington, the state of California, for certain states to at least allow people to make that decision. If you are falling apart and you know there is no chance of survival, you are not getting out of this alive, right? And I mean, within the next couple of weeks or months, right? Mm-hmm. And this, you're in pain. Why not allow people to make that decision for themselves instead of bashing states or other countries? for allowing people to make that decision and have death with dignity. Mm. 
It's not Oof. dignified here. It is not dignified here. I'm not saying dignity in a lot of, you know, my residents conditions. Mm-hmm. So. You know, and I think you answered that question. Why not earlier of it's because the family, because the family's uncomfortable with that, but it's not the family's decision, which I think is where you're pointing out. It really is like respecting that person's individuality and their life and their wishes, which is a big difference. So yeah. I appreciate I, mean, I have a family member right now, their mom, it says, I do not want to be kept alive with pills and procedures. If I have, you know, if I can't recognize and I can't blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, guess what? Family don't care. Mm. They do not care. And she has advanced dementia. She don't recognize people. She asks me about my hair all the time. Is that real? You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Right. She's. And I mean, she'll scream, get the hell out of here. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, she's, she's gone. Mm -hmm. Right. But she's still here. Heart's beaten. Family wants her here. So it's no longer her decision, even though she put her wishes in writing. Hmm. This is, yeah, this is one of those tough ones to navigate because it's where we as humans need to put our own wishes aside and it is an extremely challenging and hard thing to navigate. So I, I do hear that for people. And also at the same time, we have to kind of look into this other piece. And I think yeah. that's that's tough. And I want to say too, I know we're running short on time. So I want to say thank you for all of your information and having this conversation and being the whistleblower on this taboo topic. Um, for our listeners, thank you guys. I know your time is valuable just as Jennifer's is and appreciate you spending it here with us. I'm going to put all of Jennifer's information in her book, information in the episode notes, and I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks again, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love. 